Good morning. Grace and peace to you. I want to thank everyone for all the prayers for Shirley. And uh, God has blessed her and us. And she's almost back. So we're so thankful. Appreciate all those who had to fill in last week on short notice. I appreciate your being willing to do that. If you want, turn to Mark 10, and thank you, Jim, for the songs. How many of you grew up wanting to be a servant? I didn't see any hands. Generally not. We don't uh, aspire to such a position because in our world it's kind of looked at as being second rate and second class. A servant is a person who is devoted to another person. That's all it is. And this concept, I think, is pretty much lost on the world today, and even people who are actually employed as servants really are doing so just for the money. And the kingdom of heaven's view of servants really clashes with the world when it comes to who is great and who is small. In Mark 10 here, Jesus talks about that, the... uh, Some of the disciples uh, were talking about who is greatest in the kingdom and they were wanting a place uh, in the the hereafter and so forth and so on. And uh, it didn't sit well with the rest of them. Actually, I'm going to start in 41. It says, hearing this, the ten began to feel indignant with James and John because they were saying, you know, we we want a, a nice place in the kingdom and We think maybe we're better than others. And calling them to himself, Jesus said to them, you know, here's a teaching moment. Here's an opportunity. This has come up. You address it now. Well, the subject is on the table. You don't wait. Say, well, we'll talk about this later. How many times we really miss opportunities because we'll talk about this later and later never comes. Calling them to himself, Jesus said to them, You know that those who are recognized as rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them, and their great men exercise authority over them. Now that's the world. The great men have authority, and they exercise it, and they tell people what to do, and they say, you know, I'm the boss, I'm the king, I'm the president, I'm the CEO, or whatever it is, and you do what I say. And the world sees such men as great, such women as great. They have power, they have money, they have influence, they have a position, they own companies, they have a blog, they have a website. They list, people listen to them. But it is not this way among you. Notice the not. I think sometimes in a church we forget that. It is not this way among you, period. It's not 
to what we aspire as Christians. Power, money, influence. But whoever wishes to become great among you shall be your servant. Shall be your servant. You want to be great in God's eyes, in the kingdom of heaven? You become a servant. You know, that kind of opens the door up to everybody, doesn't it? You know, there's no, no restrictions here, qualifications, anything required here, young or old, male, male or female, right? You want to become great in the kingdom, you become a servant. And whoever wishes to be first among you shall be slave of all. You serve everybody. Just don't pick out a few and say, oh, I'll, I'll be a servant to these few here. You're willing to serve everybody. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. Some lessons here, many lessons about serving and about greatness. Being in a position of power does not make you great in God's eyes. Does not. To become truly great, become one who serves. God appreciates those who serve. Serving others carries great weight with God. He is going to say that you are a great person if you are a servant. That's God's evaluation. There are lessons about God here. God does not consider himself so high above humanity as not to serve us. God humbles himself to serve. And we see that when Jesus left heaven and became one of us, as he just said there, he did not come to be served, but to serve. And one aspect of being God is being a servant. Maybe you never thought about that. One characteristic of God is being a servant. Because he loves the people he serves. Let's take a look at Jesus, the humble servant. Go to Isaiah. It was prophesied. It's our first point here. It was prophesied that Jesus, the Messiah, would be a servant. Isaiah 42. This is also quoted in Matthew 12. Behold my servant whom I uphold. We're going we're to read this and then we're going to look. This is a great passage of scripture to consider the characteristics of a servant, okay? And I pray that you study them out and aspire to be a servant. Behold, my servant whom I uphold, my chosen one in whom my soul delights, I've put my spirit upon him. He will bring forth justice to the nations. We can see there is the picture of, of the Christ who is coming to bring justice, to bring salvation. My spirit will be upon him. He will not cry out or raise his voice nor make his voice heard in the street. 
A bruised reed he will not break, and a dimly burning wick he will not extinguish. He will faithfully bring forth justice. He will not be disheartened or crushed until he has established justice in the earth, and the coastlands will wait expectantly for his law. In verse 1 here, characteristic of a servant, there is a close relationship between the servant and the master. And the master has great expectations for the servant, and the master will help the servant succeed. We are called by God, are we not? He wants us to succeed. He wants us to do well. He wants us to do well in our service. And so he is going to help us do that. Notice here, I've chosen him in verse 1. I put my spirit upon him. I uphold my servant. God will bless us when we serve. The second verse. The servant represents the master and does not bring attention to himself. Okay? Jesus did not go about... How many times Jesus said, no, don't tell anybody what I did? My time is not yet. He's not going around tooting his own horn, as we would say. Look at me. I'm the Son of God. Look at what I can do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He didn't do that. He took the opportunities God gave him. He did teach. He healed. But he was very humble in all of that. And what did he always say? I do only the things that my Father tells me to do, right? This is not my word, but my Father's who sent me. He was always pointing to the Father and saying, I must be about what? My father's business? He didn't bring attention to himself, but he pointed everyone to God. The third verse. He is faithful in what he does. Faithfully bring forth justice. And he is concerned about all. It's a, the bruised reed and the dimly burning wick. I take that to be people who are just about ready to give up. Okay? The bruised reed, the cattail, the reed growing in the pond is already bruised and broken and ready to fall over. He says, I'm not going to snap that off. The wick that's about ready to go out in that oil lamp, he says, I'm going to help that burn. The servant is very attentive and faithful in doing what he's supposed to do. He's not brash. And fourthly, in verse 4, the servant will work hard and endure hardship to accomplish the master's will. He'll not be disheartened or crushed until he has established justice. He is devoted to his master. He's not going to let anything deter him from doing what his master once done. And Jesus, in fact, did that, didn't he? If we just look at the Gospels, and the opposition was great almost from the beginning. And uh, he did not allow the opposition from Pharisees, Sadducees, and the high priests and others to move him away from what his father wanted him to do. Isaiah 53, actually Isaiah 52, 13, 
which leads us into Isaiah 53. Jesus did, in fact, accomplish his Father's will. The, uh, the Isaiah 53 reading, why I said that, Isaiah 52.13 actually is the beginning of this section of Scripture. The, the chapter division here is very bad. It should have been after the end of verse 12 in chapter 52. Notice in verse 13, Behold, my servant will prosper. He will be high and lifted up and greatly exalted. Just as many were astonished at you, my people, so his appearance was marred more than any man in his form, more than the sons of men. And it goes on, carries on into chapter 53 where we see about the suffering servant. The ultimate service rendered by Jesus, of course, was when he gave his life for us according to his Father's will. Jesus makes a statement in the Gospel of John that his Father's commandment is eternal life. And I take that to mean that his commandment to his Son was, I want the human family to have eternal life and you're the one that's going to bring it to them. And so Jesus accepted that, and he offered himself on the cross so that we might have eternal life. John 13. Jesus did his Father's will. He served his Father while he was on the earth, and he always obeyed his Father and looked out for his Father's interests. Jesus on the earth was a servant to mankind, and of course you can't separate the two. In serving his Father, Jesus served us. You cannot serve God and not serve your fellow man. You can't do that. So here we see this picture in John 13, where Jesus is facing the cross. It's the last, last night, the supper. Uh, it's the night of the supper. And we probably remember this passage because of the feet that are washed. But it has to do with being a servant. Then he poured water into the base and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel with which he was girded. Foot washing was a servant's job. It was a slave's job. It was a very menial task. It was a messy and grimy and smelly task. And as is often pointed out, as they were all there in the one place, obviously there was no servant for them, none of the disciples were willing to get down on the floor and wash the feet of the other one. Now, washing the feet was something that was done because they walked around sometimes barefoot or in sandals on dusty roads. And that was something that was done whenever you went into a house. Your feet were washed or you washed your feet. So you didn't track mud all over the floor like mom used to say. Quit tracking mud all over the floor. Well, they, they knew that. That's where mom got it, right? That they washed their feet. But none of the disciples were willing to do it. So Jesus gets down and he does it. Verse 6, so he came to Simon Peter. He said to him, Lord, do you wash my feet? Jesus answered and said to him, you know, Peter's kind of nervous here. 
because he realizes, hey, wait a minute. This is my master. This is my Lord, and he's washing my feet. And Peter's nervous because he's saying, this isn't right. That's really what's going on here. Lord, do you wash my feet? Jesus answered and said to him, What I do you do not realize now, but you will understand hereafter. Peter said to him, Never shall you wash my feet. You see? Peter doesn't understand. Jesus just told him he didn't get it, but here he's still saying, No, you're not going to do it. And Jesus answered him, If I do not wash you, you have no part with me. Peter, you better let me wash your feet. Because that's what I do. I'm a servant. And I'm serving you right now. And he was about to go to the cross. The biggest, the greatest act of a servant that was ever, ever done. He gave his life. Simon Peter said, and finally he gets it, Lord, then wash not only my feet, but also my hands and my head. You know, Peter is like, He's like the metronome, you know. He's over here, woo, woo, woo. You know, one side of the other. Peter can't stay right in the middle and stay balanced. You know? we, we appreciate Peter. Jesus said to him, He who has bathed needs only to wash his feet, but is completely clean. And you are clean, but not all of you. And we point out at this point that Judas was among, still there. And Jesus washed Judas' feet too. What must that have been like? His betrayer. Jesus is still a servant to the one who would betray him. For he knew the one who was betraying him. For this reason he said, not all of you are clean. So when he had washed their feet and taken his garments and reclined at the table again, he said to them, Do you know what I've done to you? Well, of course, they saw, you know, the way you washed their feet. You call me teacher and Lord, and you're right, for so I am. If I then, the Lord and the teacher, washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I gave you an example that you also should do as I did to you. And it wasn't about feet, the washing of feet, but it was an example. I am your Lord and Master, but I have served you. I have got down and done the most menial task because you you guys didn't get it and nobody else would do it. I've given you that example. That as my people, my children, my church, you need to do the same thing. You need to be willing to serve one another. No matter who you are, what position you're in, whether in the church or out in the world, you need to become like me and learn to serve. A person cannot claim to be a follower of Jesus and not be a servant to others. You just can't claim, claim to follow Christ and not be a servant. 
he makes it quite plain. Romans 12. How do we do that? And I know most of you here know how to serve. It isn't an easy task at times, is it? I had opportunity this past week to serve Shirley. It wasn't easy at times. She's laughing. I mean, I don't know why. <laughs> you know, middle of the night, you're sleepy. Not, not nice, not a good situation. It's not like I went and got her a cup of coffee. It was kind of nasty at times. But I served her. And I'm not talking, you know, I'm not making a big deal about me. And I know most of you have been in that situation. You're willing to do that. You understand being a servant. Uh, some of us fight against it because we don't want to and we're kind of forced to. But Jesus is kind of saying, learn the glory and the joy and the goodness in being a servant. That this is a great thing to do because I, your Lord, serve you. Let's look at John 13. I'm sorry, Romans 12. Verse 10. Be devoted to one another in brotherly love. Give preference to one another in honor, not lagging behind in diligence, fervent in spirit, serving the Lord. As we've said, there's a sure blending here of serving the Lord and serving one another. You can't separate the two. You can't say, oh, I'm going to serve the Lord. Some people have the wrong concept about serving the Lord. They think serving the Lord is about prayer, meditation, Bible study, and church attendance and you have served the Lord. I'm sorry. That's part of it. But if you're not serving other folks like Jesus calls you to do, you aren't really serving the Lord. You've only just got a very slim piece of the pie here. Serving the Lord includes serving others. They go hand in hand. Galatians 5.13, this is what Paul here in, in talking about being free in Christ, free from the law and so forth, he says, I don't take advantage of this. That's not what we do as Christians. For you were called to freedom, brethren, only do not turn your freedom into an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. You see? This is what we do. This is what we learn to do. We learn to appreciate and enjoy the goodness of being servants because we understand that that's what our Lord is and that's how we become great in the kingdom. Being a servant is about loving others. It's about loving others more than ourselves. It's an attitude of the heart. So what does service look like? I'm just going to run down a little list here. You can probably add to this list. Considering thinking about Jesus and some of his teaching and actually some of the things that he did, 
the basics of food, clothing, and shelter. We had opportunity this past week as a congregation, some of you don't know, are not aware of this, to help out a family who were having heating problems. We bought them some of these oil-filled heaters. That's a way of serving other people when they have a need. You want to respond to that need if at all possible. You know, whether we're talking as a congregation, whether we're talking as an individual, and, and Rick was the one that brought that to our attention. And so we learned to serve others who are in need. When people are sick, if you have the opportunity, come to their aid, whether it's in your own home or otherwise. Words of encouragement. I put that on there because sometimes we forget that. People need encouraged from time to time. And we just tend to overlook that as, well, you know, I'm not going to say anything. We don't like to say anything. Sometimes we say, I don't know what to say. Brother Mike right now, I think he needs some encouragement about his brother. Have you said anything to him? Be a servant. Be his servant. Say, speak a word of encouragement. It's so important that we don't just overlook people and their situation. You know, that's part of that reading in Romans 12, be devoted to one another. How, do you do, how can you be devoted to one another if you don't know one another, know what's going on in their lives? It's about love. Prayer. Serve one another in prayer. How much time do we spend praying for one another? I know we would pray for the pray for the government and maybe pray for some specific folks who are sick. But how much time do we spend, as I like to say, praying through the pews? Because we all sit in the same place all the time, right? So, you know, I can start up here and Mike and Enola and Jim and Helen and just pray through the pews. Sometimes you don't know what's going on in somebody's life, but you bring them before God and say, Lord, bless them today. Maybe they're struggling with something. Maybe they just need a great blessing. Of course, teaching the gospel, great way to serve. Correcting folks who are going off on the wrong foot going off in the wrong direction. That's being a servant. That's humbling yourself and being willing to spend time and energy and effort to try to teach. It's giving of yourself. The small kindnesses, they can be so huge. You know, just surprise your spouse with some little kindness, some little word of appreciation. Do something that you don't normally do around. Put the dishes away, you know, or, you know, take the trash out without having to be told. Or You fix the dessert tonight. You fix the coffee tonight. You fix the dinner tonight. Whatever it is, be a servant. Learn the joy in that. Defending the helpless and the abused. Those who are down and cannot defend themselves. Befriending people and including people. 
those who are on the outside, those who are on the fringes, become their servant. What do they need? They need to be included. They need to be invited. They need to be loved. Be their servant. You can add to the list, I'm sure. Go to John 12 as we wrap up. Learning to serve is about learning to love and humbling oneself and loving others. And Jesus, of course, is our greatest example. But what we have to do is get off our horse of self and get down and get our hands dirty. That's what we have to do to serve. Whatever it is. John 12, 25. He who loves his life loses it. And he who hates his life in this world will keep it to life eternal. We've heard that before in other places. It's not about pursuing just what you want. That's what he's really saying. If anyone serves me, he must follow me. And where I am, there my servant will be also. If anyone serves me, the Father will honor him. It's a challenge. There's a promised blessing to be honored by God because God will honor his son on that last day because he was a servant. He left heaven, left it all, served his father, served us, gave his life that we might have life. We need to become servants, as it says, where those who follow me, those who serve me, they will be where I was, down on, down on our knees, humbling ourselves and serving others. If you are a Christian this morning and you need prayer, we're here to help, to serve you in prayer. If you're struggling with something, need to rededicate your life. Maybe your love is weak, thin, not strong in the Lord. If you need prayer, we're here. We're always available. Mike, Mike, myself, Don, Rick. If you want to obey the gospel this morning and become a servant of this Jesus, the one who came here to serve you. We can assist you with that as well. We'll be your servant. We'll take your confession and immerse you into Christ, serving him and serving you. If you want to respond this morning, please come while Brother Jim leads us.